Back about 20 years ago, when Mary Jo and I were planting the church in Orlando that we pastored for some 13, 14 years, while we were planting that, in the early days, I worked in the golf business. And during that time, I learned a thing or two about the golf business and about the game of golf, the golf swing. One of the most important aspects in the golf swing is the grip. When you're playing golf, of course, nobody's been playing golf because you can't go surfing, you can't play golf, even though you're more than six feet away from everybody if you would be out there. Um, but one of the most important things about the golf swing is the golf grip. The grip on the golf club really affects your success in the game of golf. If you have too firm of a grip, in golf, you're going to pull the ball. You're going to turn it over the top. If you have too weak of a grip, you're going to fade the ball or in some cases, slice the ball into the water. So you want to have that just right grip so that you can have the success rate. You want to hit the fairway. You want to hit the green, right? Well, there's another grip that we want to take a look at tonight. It's not this morning. It's not the golf grip. It's the grip that each of us as believers need to have on our faith, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, on the word of his testimony. This grip is more important than any other grip that you will ever have in your life. It's our grip on the gospel of Jesus Christ. These days, we need to check our grip on the gospel because there are so many people that want to rewrite the message. Back, I'd say, over the last 20 years or so, and probably scholars uh, have been doing this for much longer than that, maybe as more than 100, 200, probably since the beginning of the church, trying to rewrite the doctrines. In recent years, in the last 20 years, they tried to deconstruct the gospel message and construct a new one in their own ideas. So we need to be firm on the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and then we will believe, we will trust in Christ, and we will have great success in our lives. We won't be hooking it, <laughs> so to speak, and we won't be fading it into the water in our lives. We'll be taking that straight and narrow path that Jesus talked about the way that leads to life. There are many reasons people loosen their grip on the gospel, and we're going to take a look at some of them this morning to make sure that we don't succumb to those things and let those things loosen our grip on the gospel. We're going to take a look at the first several verses of 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that the Christians in Corinth checked their grip on the gospel so that they would have great success. They needed to make sure that they understood the essential elements of the gospel and that there wasn't anything else in their thinking that would soften their grip on the word of the gospel. And so we're going to take a look at this passage. The first point, if you're taking notes, is this. A firm grip on the gospel is the key to success. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's pick it up. Verse 1. It says this. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you 
which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is good news. That's what the gospel is. The word in the Greek that we think of when we think of the word gospel is the word evangelion, and it is the word that means good news. Now, it's a simple Greek word. It just means good news. It's not only the good news of the gospel, but it's a word now that has become attached to the greatest good news that there ever will be. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of salvation of our souls. The way a person can be saved. The way that they can know that their soul, that your soul, that my soul will live forever with Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate good news. Now Paul here, he's nearing the end of his letter to, to the Corinthians here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as he nears the close of his letter, he's telling them the gospel again. He told them before, he's told them all the way through, and now at the close, he's telling them again. And some, sometimes people feel like, well, I've heard the gospel. I've heard the gospel. I don't need to hear it again. The reality is, whether you don't know the gospel or whether you've heard it a thousand times, you need to hear it again. You need to be reminded once again of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's already told this church in how he came to them. He came to them preaching an unadulterated gospel. It wasn't watered down. It wasn't milked, a milk toast version of the gospel. It was the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says this. This is what Paul says. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God, with lofty sweet speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so what's Paul saying? He's saying, I didn't come to you, Corinthians. I didn't come into your city and preach to you some really sh jazzy, schmazzy, uh, I wasn't so great in my speech. I wasn't like, I wasn't putting together some unbelievable sermon. I determined before I even walked through into the streets of your city, I made a determination that when I got to Corinth, Paul says, I'm going to preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to be the power of God. I, I wanted to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. Christ and him crucified. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the answer to your life, to my life, to anyone who would believe. And it has the most amazing benefits of anything, anywhere, at any time. You will never receive more amazing benefits than the benefits that we have from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, get busy on the live chat and the amens there. I, I have seen this reoccurring commercial 
pop up and it's it's a it's a woman on there and it's a lady she represents some kind of age and weight defying pill and this is her spiel i think it's for the pill sarah vital and she says this it reduces body fat it will boost your mood it gets rid of wrinkles it tightens your saggy skin and it will help you to look and feel decades younger are you interested that's the pitch because she's wanting you to feel all those amazing benefits. And if you get Sarah Vital, you are going to defy age and mood and weight and every possible thing. Well, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that which saves from death. Every person is dead in their sins, and it's the gospel that saves from death. It's the gospel that provides the forgiveness from sins. It's the gospel that, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ that can bring to you divine healing. It's the gospel that provides unto you the peace that surpasses understanding. It's the gospel that will give you a joy unspeakable. It's the gospel that provides us with a friend who sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus Christ. It's the gospel who gives you a righteous king and ruler in your life. It's the gospel that gives you hope for eternity. It's the gospel that gives you hope for today. Are you interested? Are you interested this morning in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Christian, this is the gospel that you have been saved by, that you've been saved to. This is what you are standing in by the grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to hold fast to this gospel. You need to have a firm grip on it. Paul tells the Corinthians and us that we must hold fast to the message of the gospel. We must have a firm grip on it. We must not let that grip diminish. Paul says if we fail to continue to trust in the fundamental elements of the gospel and in Christ, then we have believed in vain. Look back at the text there. He says, I preach to you this gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which you were also saved, if you hold fast that, to that word, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed in vain. This idea here, believing in vain, the word for vain there is actually the word that is, it means uh, to, to believe in vain is actually to believe without success, that, that, you, that you didn't put your trust in the gospel, that you didn't put your trust in, 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 the, in the, the person of Jesus Christ, and somehow you thought you could skate by by kind of knowing what the message is and maybe slipping in and out of church or onto an online service now, but you, you believed without success. You believed without, with, with, in vain. And, and, and Paul is imploring the, the, the Corinthian believers, and he would implore us that are watching here to not be, to, to, to be in vain. To, he wants us to have success in our faith, and success is fully embracing the gospel. It's fully receiving it. It's fully trusting Jesus for your life and everything that's going on in your life. Jesus told parables, and one of the particular parables that he taught was what's called the parable of the sower. And it's about, the, the story is about a sower that goes out to sow seed. 
and this, this, the sower is the preacher and the seed is the word. And he goes out and he scatters the seed on various types of ground. And in the story, the seed, which is the word, falls on four different types of ground. And these four different types of ground represent four different kinds of people. And they really become four different reasons why someone wouldn't have a firm grip on the gospel. There's the ground that's called, in some translations, it's called the wayside. It's the hard ground. And the hard ground or wayside represents someone who is just hardened by sin in their life. And this is a person that finds it difficult to even grasp the gospel at all. They, they're keeping it at arm's length. And maybe that's you this morning. You've been keeping the gospel at arm's length. You're kind of that wayside. You've been hardened in your heart and God wants your heart to be softened. He wants to give you a new heart and a new life in him. If you'll, if you'll receive him and receive the gospel, that, that, the, the hardened ground is that uh, person that allows the enemy to come and steal it away. The, in the parable, the birds came and picked up the seed that fell on the wayside. And then there's the stony ground. Some, some of the seed fell on the stony ground, and this pictures a person who is at first excited about the word. They hear the gospel, they get excited about it, and, and, but, the, the, but there's no true change of heart. There's an excitement. There's maybe like emotion. There's emotion involved. It's an emotional decision. They were emotionally drawn into uh, making a decision and whatever type of uh, methodologies that were used, but there's no real change of heart. And so when trouble arises, when things get tough, when, when, when tribulation comes, I'm not talking about the great tribulation. I'm talking about in the world, you will have tribulation. And when that tribulation comes, the, those people that are the stony ground, they loosen their grip on the gospel. And then in the parable, there's the thorny ground. The thorny ground depicts a person who receives the word, but whose heart is captivated by the riches of the world and the pleasures of the world, and the lusts of the, the eyes, the lust of the, the flesh, and the pride of life, and the things of the world uh, take him away, take this person's attention away from the gospel. And so instead of maintaining a firm grip on the gospel, they've got a firm grip on the things of the world and those things that they would want. And lastly, in the parable that Jesus teaches, there's the good ground. The good ground is that good soil, that soil that's been turned over, that soil that's ready to receive the word, that, that soil that receives Christ and receives his gospel and continues to grow and, and, and nurture and have a nurtured faith in, 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 the, in the word and they continue to grow in the faith. This is a person that has a firm grip on the gospel, a firm grip on the faith. And, and I, I believe that if you have a, of an understanding of what the gospel is, that you've literally been saved from death, that you've been brought back from the, you know, you've been brought from death to life. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been given a new life in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And so it, it always amazes me. And it's always amazed me all through my life uh, of people who, can come to a point where they seem disinterested 
in the things of God. They come to a point where they become disinterested in the gospel. You think about the gospel and how I laid that out for you early and all the benefits and all the things that are provided by the gospel. And that seems, all those things seem to be of, 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 of a heavy nature, of a gravity. There's a gravitas to what the gospel is going to do in your life. And somehow, some way, people allow themselves to just be, well, it's just, just the gospel. It's just, you know, just, it's just a church thing. And it's always, always something that has been very interesting to me. If the gospel's true, I want to fully investigate it and I want to embrace it and I want to receive Christ and I want to receive all that he has for me and I want to maintain that level of intensity with the gospel because there's nothing that could be more important than the gospel. If the gospel's true, there's nothing that could be more important to it. I've come across these Christians who have become blasé with the gospel. They don't seem interested. They seem, they, they really seem disinterested. But how can that be? This is the gospel. I like how C.S. Lewis put the importance of the gospel. He says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Did you get that? If the, if the gospel's true, if Christianity's true, then it is of infinite importance. If it's not true, it's completely not important. The only thing it can be that not be is just blah. And so Paul is saying here, trust him. Trust the gospel. Lay hold. Lay, check that grip on the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we realize the gospel, what it is, the impact of the gospel on our lives, I think it changes you. I think it changes a person. I, I can see it when someone has gone from that disinterested where they've just kind of put their relationship with Christ in a nice little compartment somewhere. And they just got it over there and they kind of check in and out of that thing whenever they want to and then they're just kind of living their life. But I believe when you come, when you grab hold of the gospel, when you truly, what, what John says in the opening of his gospel, when you truly believe and receive the son and, and you've been given the right to become a son or daughter of God, there's something that changes. Your heart changes. Your mind changes. You begin to get into the word. You begin to think of this gospel as the most important thing. It's no longer something that can just only take up 5% of your time or 5% of your mind. It's something that is of the utmost importance. It is something that is literally impact. I, everything that happens in my life, I'm filtering that through the ramifications of the gospel and the ramifications of the word. This is so important. And when that happens, that's that thing that will keep that firm grip that you need to have on the gospel. When we realize the impact of the gospel, it takes the pressure off of us. I want, I want you right now, if you're willing, to trust God with your whole life. To trust God with your whole life. And let me say it to you this way. If you are believing him and trusting him for your everlasting soul, I want you to trust him with everything else.
I want you to trust him with everything else. Because if you can trust him with your everlasting soul, certainly you can trust him with your relationships. Certainly you can trust him in your finances. Certainly you can trust him with your kids. Certainly you can trust him with your career and your job. Certainly you can trust him in this COVID-19 situation or whatever would come next. So I want to encourage you. Have that firm grip on the gospel. Trust him. When you come into these situations, you're not like that stony ground overcome by the situation and just the grip on the gospel just is loosened. You're not looking to this over here as the utmost importance in your life. We have a loose grip on the things of the world. It's not, not as if we don't grip it. We have responsibility there. We have responsibilities as stewards in many things in our lives. But we've got to have a firm grip on the gospel and hold loosely to the things of this world. Amen? Because we're only coming out of here with, there's only one thing we're coming out of here with. Our own souls and any of the souls that we can take with us. Okay? You're not taking anything with you. You're not taking, you know, iPhones or MacBooks or Netflix. Not going to happen. You're taking the only people that are getting out of here are you and the people that we bring into the kingdom, into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Secondly, this morning, the gospel was verified by eyewitnesses. So it can be trusted. Amen? Let's pick it up. Verse 5 in that text. Paul says this, And that he, speaking of Christ, was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, and then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. You see, the gospel was verified by eyewitnesses. Paul moves on here to the fact that the, 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 the central fact of the gospel, the central fact of the gospel is the resurrection of Christ. And this was verified by eyewitnesses. These were not things that people made up. This was not a story. This was not... Uh, uh, a conspiracy in that sense. The, the, these, were, these things were seen by eyewitnesses. The apostles witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, Paul says. And then Jesus was seen by over 500 brothers at one time. That's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a nice little crowd, 500 people. And then he was seen by James, and then Paul says he was seen by himself. Now, apologetics, if you're familiar, is, is a, a field of study. It's, a, it's a making a defense of the gospel. It's from the Greek word apologia, it's, uh, where Peter uses the, where he says to give man an answer for the faith that you have, for the hope that you have. And so it's giving a defense of the gospel. And one of the things that is a central uh, tenet in apologetics is defending the resurrection because a lot of people will assert, well, it was a made up. 
It was a made-up story. The apostles made it up. They needed this whole thing to go on. They needed to come up with a story to kind of perpetuate their thing and see what they did. They created a nice little kingdom for themselves, right? That would be the, the you know, kind of the maybe some things that the skeptic would say. But when you look into apologetics, these are the things that you discover, you discovered that the gospel writers were eyewitnesses of the resurrection and that they wrote their gospels within 30 years. Most of the gospels were written within 30 years of the events that they depict in the gospels. And so that is a time frame that is close enough to where you would have even Paul writing Corinthians is talking about some of the people that saw him or remain till this day. And so certainly Mark and Matthew and the synoptics would fall under that category of the early gospels. John is the gospel that you would give a later dating. Uh, but certainly within the uh, era of the Pauline epistles and the other epistles were written at the time when the gospels were written. And so so there were those that were still alive that could verify their eyewitness account of the gospel. The writings would, would certainly be scrutinized by contemporaries of the day. They gave detailed accounts of what the, the, the elders in Jerusalem said, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the chief priests, what they did, how they came up with the whole story, that the body was stolen, that the, that the uh, guards fell asleep, that all, all these other stories that they actually concocted um, to cover uh, over what was happening. And none of, these, none, none of the eyewitness accounts were ever renounced. In fact, they, each one of the gospel writers and the, the, the apostles specifically went to a martyr's death. Now, I'm not going to take the time to tell you how each one of the apostles died, but a person will not die for what they know to be a lie. They won't die for what they know to be a lie. They might die for something that is a lie, Right? They might be deceived. Someone might be deceived and they go to their dying breath. You know, there was people up, what was the, the cult group that was in their bunk beds in San Diego drinking, where we get the term drinking the Kool-Aid? Yeah, there were people that died for a lie. These guys went to the, they, one of the apostles was thrown off of the, the roof of the temple and impaled. Peter was hung upside down and crucified on a cross. These guys went to horrific martyrs' deaths because they were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And Paul would go on in this letter to say if Christ, the reason why it's the central tenet of the gospel is if Christ is not risen, then we are pitiable above all men and we are still in our sins. And so that's why Paul's going through, he's going to all this trouble to give you the verification of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he finishes up this section with this point. The gospel is for everyone. Let's pick it up. Verse 9. It says this. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, 
And so you believed. The gospel is for every single person. Paul tells the Corinthians the gospel's for everyone, even for him. He calls himself the least of the apostles. He says that he, he, he expresses that he feels like he's not even worthy to be called an apostle. And he lists the reasons why that he felt that. He says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I persecuted Christians. I persecuted who, people who believed this. People who were pro professing the gospel. People who had a firm grip on the gospel. I persecuted these people. Paul stood by. Read uh, the account of Paul in the early chapters of Acts. He was one that stood by as Stephen uh, was, was stoned in Acts 7. And then in Acts chapter 9, he was literally on his way with Damascus, to Damascus with papers to take Christians into custody and to continue to further persecute them when, boom, he was knocked off of his horse and a blinding light appeared to him and the voice of Jesus spoke to him. And he was forever changed. That's why they call it a Damascus Road experience. Amen? He was on the Damascus Road and he was knocked down and Jesus spoke to him and he spoke with the living Jesus. And in fact, if you look at that, that passage there in Acts 9, Paul says, who are you? <laughs> he doesn't even know who he is. He says, Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Paul became radically, radically saved. And that's why that Paul from Acts 9, is now writing a letter in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church. And in chapter 15, he's saying, I want you to have a firm grip on the gospel. And I want you to believe. And I want you to make sure. And I want you to realize all the benefits that you have in the gospel. And this is for everyone. This gospel is for everyone. No one is outside the reach of the gospel. No person is too far away from the arms of the Lord that he can't reach you. He can go down to the, the depths of the ocean. David wrote it in the Psalms. He says, where can I go to escape your presence? I can't go down to the depths of Sheol. I can't go up to the heights. I can't go anywhere where you are not there and God is there and he's wanting to reach out to you and no one is beyond the reach of the gospel. Paul goes on, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I don't deserve it, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's by his grace towards me and his grace towards me was successful. <laughs> he says it wasn't in vain. Amen. Can you say that this morning? God's grace towards me is a success because I've put my trust in him and, and I've received his grace and he overwhelmed me with his grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that's what we've got to hold on to in our lives. That's the firm, the firm grip that we need to have of the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, and the message. Do you have that firm grip this morning? Do you have that firm grip on the gospel? There will come a time in your life when everything will be taken away. And anyone who's ever been with a loved one on their deathbed knows this. You look at a life that had everything. I forget who it was that said, you know, when you look at the first part of your life, life is giving to you. It's always given, you know. You're getting a new bike. You're getting a new 
school clothes. You're getting the new car on this, when you turn 16 or 18. You get a college degree. You get a job. You get a this. You get a this. And then you get to a point where the person said, you reach a point where life starts taking away and doesn't give so much anymore. And there's a time when everything is going to be taken away except for that which we have in Christ and those relationships of fellow believers that we have. So we want to make sure we have a firm grip on the gospel. I want to close with this story. Franklin Graham, the son of evangelist Billy Graham, has a powerful ministry in the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association called Samaritan's Purse, where they reach out to people all over the world uh, in um, crisis situations in humanitarian ways. And he tells the story that they were at the Rebel Army's headquarters in Birumba, Rwanda. And he said, we noticed a little girl who was about seven or eight years old, and she was hugging a blanket and rocking back and forth, softly singing a song in French. There was a soldier nearby with a machine gun draped over his shoulder, and we asked him who this little girl was. And he said she was, just like all the others, an orphan. What is she singing, we asked. I don't know, said the soldier. It's something about God. We asked again, what are the words that she's singing? He listened for a minute and then told us, she's saying something like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And she keeps singing it over and over and over again. We found out that this little girl had watched as her entire family was murdered with machetes. The thing that sustained her was not the promise of a new government or a new house or a new phone or even a better tomorrow. The thing that sustained her was the love of the Son of God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know. And I want to close with this. Do you have a firm grip on the gospel truth that Jesus loves you and is the savior of your soul? Just like this little girl with nothing left in the world but probably some tattered blanket singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. That's a, that's a person with a firm grip a firm grip. And I want to have that firm grip. And I want to encourage you to keep your grip. And if you don't have one, get a grip. You can receive Jesus Christ right now, wherever you are. If you're watching, you can receive him. It's very simple to receive Christ. You have to just receive him, believe that he's the son of God, that he came into this world, died on the cross for your sins. You confess him as Lord. You believe in your heart that he was resurrected from the dead on the third day. And the apostle says, the apostle Paul says to the church at Rome and would say to you, if you believe that, you are saved. If you trust in him and in that gospel with your whole heart. And I want to encourage you, as I've done in this whole message, trust him with everything. Trust him with everything. The gospel is of utmost importance. And it carries some amazing, amazing benefits that will last into eternity. So I want to leave you with that tonight. 
this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this time that we've been able to stay in your word, to hear your word, to be encouraged in your word. Right now, I pray for every single person that's watching, Lord, that you will bless them, that your grace would be poured out to them. I pray that they would receive you and trust you in their life. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks, thanks for joining with us.